All right, welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin podcast. Uh, if you're living in Raleigh, uh, come to our meetups uh, Tuesday night, 6.30 at Rally Point on Harrison Avenue. If you're not in Raleigh, um, move to Raleigh or tell your cousins, friends, girlfriend that lives in Raleigh to uh, come out to our meetup. Uh, we have another meetup guest here, Tim, who has just introduced a really cool new web program, BTC Radio. Is it btcradio.com? Uh, yeah, it's BTC, or it's btcradio.live. btcradio.live. Uh, so check that out. We are one of the podcasts that it streams. So Great. It's awesome because it takes all the anxiety out of opening the podcast app, looking for the new episodes, deciding which one you want to watch. You don't want to do that. You just want it to play. You also don't want to listen to the beginning of a podcast like this, where somebody just, you know, tells you to come to a fucking meetup and does some stupid intro shit that you've heard a million times. You want it to start in the middle of the podcast. That's Steve why is a five minutes radio. into it, maximalist. Absolutely. Yeah, let me explain what it is real quick. Okay, go for it. <clears throat> it's a live streaming uh, radio station over HLS, if you're familiar with that. Uh, what is HLS? It's HTTP live streaming. It's like okay. a newer protocol pioneered by Apple. Okay. If, if you're just listening to stuff and streaming stuff online, you, would, you wouldn't know what it is. But okay. uh, it's... Back in the day, there was like Shoutcast and Icecast, and it. Good. We don't need to go through the evolution of online radio, but. Um, See, first just, there was the radio, <laughs> then there was AM. Right. Start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it just rotates through podcasts. Uh, the newest podcast, newest podcasts. Uh, the goal is to have like re- something relevant that you can tune into, and it's just relevant. It's not from like. A year ago there's definitely bangers that could be played but it's the goal is to have just new relevant stuff and you can just tune in whatever you want and you don't have to pick and you can just pop in and listen to something and there's some element of discovery there definitely i feel that's a great way to find new podcasts because there are a bunch of bitcoin ones that i don't know about that i'm sure i should listen to yeah and you can get a little trial the free you know just listen to clips here and there and uh, you can listen to it on Fountain, too. Oh, so. yeah. And we are being promoted on Fountain right now? Yeah, I'm running a test promotion. So in Fountain, you can have on their home screen, <clears throat> they have promoted shows at the top where yeah. you, when you listen, you earn sats as you listen. So I promoted the Raleigh Bitcoin podcast. It's running right now. So you might be able to open the app and see it at the top and get paid to listen to the podcast it just streams oh, an sure. episode it's nothing like oh wow like curated or anything it's just uh i love fountain you know some podcasts are so bad that they don't have any listeners but then there's the podcasts that are so bad that they have to pay people to listen right like pomps like us <laughs> apparently you get paid to listen right now well oh yeah it's on jacob's phone as the top as the paid <laughs> promotion nice. that's awesome let me see it yeah, so it, it's a pretty cool new ecosystem yeah. that Fountain's trying to build, which is cool, and I wanted to play with it, and I've been helping them out with some stuff. So now I think Fountain's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. I mean, anything, we talked about this a little bit last time, but mm. anything I can do where I'm doing it already, whether it be walk-in, 
or listening to a podcast. If I'm going to do it, I might as well stack some sats while doing it. Yeah, podcasting is great asynchronous thing to do. Doesn't I like, need to get Fountain and try again? I, I'm so particular about my podcast app. Like it's it, leveled up a lot since the last okay. time. They've done a lot of work on their like raw audio, nice like functionality. Start and stop with the uh, head headphone taps and uh, stuff. Uh, that's a good question. That clipping was, on there is a lot better thing. now. Is it, it really? Clipping on there okay. is much better now. But they're working right. on that stuff for sure. So to try and make it like a grade A podcast app, definitely nice. struggling at the beginning. But, you know, it just takes time to build something like that from scratch, which is a pretty big undertaking. So, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, how else can you promote your podcast? Yeah. Like, get listeners. Like, it's actually a new way to do it. And it's, it's just cool. Yeah. We don't really have that problem because we have like 2 million listeners right now. And it's growing like crazy. Sponsorships are rolling in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, actually, about the radio station, the BTC dot, BTC radio dot live. Yeah. Um, are you getting pressure from people to release the pri- proprietary algorithm that selects which podcast gets put on? No, not yet. <laughs> it's, it's coming. Su- it's super complex. <laughs> I think your listener experience is like you will never be able to replicate like oh, how God. curated and you know that's what I was, I'm just like how in the world does he always pick the best podcast that I want to hear really I find that every time I listen in I get the same one yeah <laughs> yeah you do kind of need more right now <laughs> but I haven't heard of us yet on there yeah maybe we should check make sure it's in there <laughs> okay because I actually haven't either in a while. <laughs> All right. Well, we have um, some clips lined up for today. Uh, they're kind of in three different genres. Um, but do you want to start with the safeting one and then pay, play yours better? Or do you want to play yours right now? Sure. Yeah, we can start with safe. Okay. So this is a, has a little bit to do with um, what Jacob was talking about with like where does the money come from? Like, I think Jacob last week was saying he doesn't think there was going to be a big rise because you know, the interest rates are high now and there's just not a lot of free money. But Safening's talking to this guy and he's talking about how um, being in a bear market is good for this guy's educational program because you don't get the noise of the distraction from the so-called price pump. But then Safening kind of takes a stab at like the price pumps of these shit coins. Is this me, Premier Bitcoin? Yeah, me, Premier Bitcoin. Oh, nice. Did you listen to that yeah, on the radio. Yeah, on the radio. I wouldn't listen to it otherwise. Um, shift coins are a lot more um, yield scams and people coming up and telling you, oh, no, you know, you don't want to just hold your Bitcoin. You want to make your Bitcoin work for you by giving it to me and uh, where I could give you a yield risk-free, but just don't ask me for where I get it because in reality, you are the yield, as we've discussed before. Yeah, I love this. So... It goes even further than what Jacob was talking about last week because um, in an environment where you think there's free money, printing money is not free money because printing money is not wealth creation. It just causes inflation. You're not creating new wealth by printing money. And in these like DeFi scams where they they say you're getting like whatever, 14% by depositing your, your Bitcoin um, there, if you ask them, okay, you're giving me this 14% because you're investing it in something. 
and you're getting a return and giving me that 14%, what are you actually investing in? That's like making the world more wealthy. That's like, what's, what's the actual product where you're getting this 14% from? And the truth is that like, there is nothing. And actually you are the 14% because they're going to FTX you. They're going to, they're going to bankrupt you. So like that actual 14% yield that comes in these like crazy bull markets is people getting scammed. Ponzi. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because where else does it come from? The next person. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So when all of those yield schemes, they're always presented as risk-free, which I take like huge issue with. Right. Like, so the funny thing with the safe mentioning that the clip of him and tone vase, like trying to pin down Mashinsky, uh, the Celsius guy on like his yield generating platform. They're like, yeah, everybody in the world can be earning 6% as long as they're doing it through Celsius. And SAFE is like, what? Absolutely not. Like, how on earth could that possibly work? Right. Um, when was that? In the case of the clip was from years ago. Yeah, okay. And it started like, like so it was funny, like uh, <clears throat> Peter McCormick was like hosting like some panel with them or whatever. This is back when he didn't have any gray hair. Like, it was a while back because, like, everybody looked younger. Like, was visibly younger. It's crazy how people age in Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was definitely pre-2020. It was probably, like, 2017 or something like that. Um, But, yeah, Mashinsky, like, finally got arrested this week, which I was... Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was kind of a long time coming. Because his is, what like, the worst of the... um, the worst of those types of scams, I think. It mm. bothers me a little bit, like those three AC guys are still out there posting about stuff. Like Kyle mm. Davies and saw a post about this Sam Chabuco guy. I don't know how to say his last name. One of the FTX guys, chilling on his yacht still. Yeah, some someone I'm posting on Twitter. House. Well, everything I'm seeing now is like talking about how lenient they're going to be with SBF. It's it's just a shame. I mean, like I feel like there's going to be very minimal actual consequences handed down for some of that stuff. They'll choose one guy to make an example out of, and then everybody else will fly under the radar. Once it gets into like government and judicial stuff, it's just like whatever rigged. Not not interesting to me. It's just like, right. Yeah. Well, but you know, I was just thinking when you were saying this about the impossibility of six percent for everybody. For everybody, in a strange way. There is 6% for everybody as long as people save in Bitcoin because on average, if you believe in the like Jeff Booth deflationary idea, on average, the world does get 6% more efficient every year. And those cost savings are passed on to the people that save in sound assets or rare assets and sound money. Um so in a weird way, everybody does get six percent a year in price appreciation. And yeah, yeah, it's like there's a difference between price appreciation and getting like interest on the asset. Is there? Yeah, because one oh. one is just like a natural consequence of okay. more people wanting to buy Bitcoin. The other is saying like, if you just keep it here with us, then right. we'll guarantee you six percent. 
okay. I think I see what you're saying. Even though in my world, nothing appreciates it. your costs just get cheaper. But, right. Not but, at least not in Bitcoin terms. So it's funny. Yeah. Like I like I calculate my net worth on a like quarterly basis. Like I get a big kick out of it, and I do it in terms of dollars, Bitcoin, and gold. And really? like like my dollar net worth went up like a little bit this past uh, quarter, but in terms of Bitcoin, it I, like I lost money, and I was just like, damn it. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome that you do that. Because there is no perfect measuring stick. I think Bitcoin is the best measuring stick and fiat is one of the worst. But it does kind of suck that there is no perfect way to measure wealth in the world. Measuring stick keeps changing. The fiat measuring stick. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin changes the least, but there's no perfect one. Someone had an analogy that the measuring stick in fiat it's like you use a ruler, but then like the ruler, like a foot is now like... 10 inches safe uses that one a lot yeah and that one's like really apt it's like trying to build a building where like you said a yard is three feet today and then tomorrow because of what 12 guys decide in some back room somewhere else all of a sudden a yard is two feet six inches right and you're supposed to build the same building using that data that's then corrupted i love that analogy yeah. So yeah, like they is, need yeah. like just like a set point, a set set of data that then you can measure against versus it fluctuating all the time based on some arbitrary you yeah. know need for the price of money to change. Just like 2 hours ago before you guys showed up, I was downstairs at the bar and one of my beer reps showed up and he, he saw some other guy that I gave the Bitcoin standard to. He gave it back to me because he was just like, I'm not going to read it. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. Whatever. Like, sweet. Thanks for my book back. Yeah, exactly. At least he, he brought that. At least he brought it back. So anyway, sitting on the bar, beer rep comes in. And he's like, oh, what's this Bitcoin standard? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I decided instead of trying to talk to people about Bitcoin, I was just going to hand him the book, you know. So do you want you want this book and he's like oh no but you know i heard that like some guy had a bunch of bitcoin on his laptop and he lost it in the dump and i'm like yeah it's a news story and he's like that's yeah it's super volatile and i was like i just got this book so i didn't start talking all right i can't fucking take it anymore (laughs) i was like real estate doesn't go up bro the dollar just goes down like (laughs) healthcare doesn't go up the dollar just goes down. Everything you think about money is freaking wrong. And <laughs> I could just see the eyes glaze over in his head. And I was like, ah, cool. Th- this is why I don't talk about it. Did just you catch the game last night? Just give the book. <laughs> <laughs> but I try so hard to not talk about it and just give people the book. But it doesn't work. The book is anyway. a good way because, I mean, like, I mean, we talk about this a lot on here, just telling them to learn about it because if they don't learn about it they're going to treat it as like an investment or whatever the next yeah. bull run they're just going to sell when it doubles yeah and blackrock and all the other like big institutional players are going to be there to sweep it up which we don't want but yeah my favorite people blackrock 
You want to um, play this fountain clip, and then I'll play some stuff from Jameson afterwards? Or do you want to get yeah, the Jameson I mean, stuff first? You want to set this up? Like, my clip is, like, somewhat related with, like, the you are the yield type mm-hmm. stuff. But this is more in dollar terms where the the rest of the world was pretty much our yield for our skyrocketing ability to have whatever we wanted here domestically. Um, instead of creating stuff here, we just outsourced it. And I I wish I had done more clips from this podcast, but I just didn't have the time to finish it this week. Um, yeah, like, let's play it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty interesting, what's the podcast name? So it's, it's from what Bitcoin did. What Bitcoin did. Um, it's the episode where Peter has on Gladstein who just released a book about the history of the IMF. I haven't read it yet. I definitely intend to. Because, I mean, it sounds really interesting, like diving into the weeds of what that institution has done to anything that's not a first world G7, G20 country, where Mm. we just got basically plundered those countries for X particular resource. Like, it it doesn't mention this in this clip, but I know that one of them, I can't remember if it was being... might not be Bangladesh, but I don't remember what it was, but it's pretty much like, hey, so you're like our shrimp farmers now. And so the entire economy then became revolved around just providing us shrimp to the detriment of all of their potential growth and economizing and stability there just so that we could have as many shrimp as we wanted. But yeah, let's, let's run the clip. All right, here it goes. Here. You're almost seeing like another wave of that now where like globalization's breaking down, right? And you're going to see economic crises in the West. So this is history rhymes, right? Um, but basically my thesis is that you have this colonial drain dynamic that's been very, very lucrative for Western countries. And the, we figured out how to replicate that without the worship and the sword and the bayonet. We figured out how to do it with debt. And that's what we started to do with the IMF from World Bank. They're not the only actors in the system, but they're very, very important. And here. It's too real, man. So a little bit before that, he's talking about how a decline in colonialism could was one of the reasons that sparked the Great Depression, was that that had kind of run its course, and the stagnation of incoming resources from India specifically to Great Britain was one of the things that sparked a depression there. And it's just basically talking about how colonialism has changed its mask from, like he mentioned, warships, bayonets, to instead of it being just outright violent occupation, to being occupation of a different sort of instead of us stationing troops there, we're just going to export our debt there. Which circles back to like the the first episode we did kind of in this That's reboot <laughs> where we're talking about uh, packaging our debt and sending it abroad. Yeah, he doesn't give any credit to the hardworking Americans that any- are packaging up the debt and exporting it around the world. That's hard freaking work, man. But I mean, it's 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 interesting to hear it put in such stark terms that it's the exact same system of oppression for the rest of the world just with a different face um it's more civilized now it's way it's more it's less violent is it 
Yeah. yeah. Um, less violent. It, it, yeah. It's it's less outright bloodshed, but it, it's hurting people to the same degree. It's economic oppression. Exactly. Just in a different way. Um, I mean, like, that's where the, the term debt slavery comes into term. And I mean, you know, slave is, you know, just such a loaded term, just racially and whatnot. But that's, like, I, I can't think of any better way to describe it other than being just completely beholden and shackled to having to pay these loans from the IMF back, it's not doing anybody any favors. And particularly since the IMF is just outwardly hostile towards Bitcoin, it the, the, the fact that they're just so unwilling to look in the mirror and diagnose exactly what their impact is on the rest of the world, it, 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 it just shows you how... A, afraid of Bitcoin, a lot of these institutions are that they're trying to discredit it so hard because they see it as just a direct threat to their ability to manipulate those kinds of things. I just had kind of like a flash future vision. You know how we look at England and they're kind of um, embarrassed about colonizing the world and like stealing all the the great resources and all the, like if you go to the British museum in London, which is awesome, by the way, I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming because they have like the Rosetta stone and they have all these like Egyptian tombs. Oh yeah. They have all of these, all of the world's treasures are like in the British museum. They just kind of like robbed the world of this stuff. And that, you know, now looking back, it's like, wow, you guys did this. And I was just thinking, Maybe in the future, this whole debt slavery of the world is going to be exposed and we're going to be seen as the really bad guys, not because of our military wars, which are kind of not so ethical either, but the um, but just the debt. Like we just enslaved the whole world with debt. You think it's going to look like that for us in the future? No, I mean, I think people are waking up to that more and more by the day in the third world. Yeah. Um, what are they going to do about it? Well, I mean, they, they could start adopting Bitcoin more and more. I mean, that's why I think, per at least per capita, you're seeing a larger percentage of the populace in these third world countries, be it I mean, El Salvador is like the easy layup example. But yeah. Nigeria is another very big one. Um, I mean, Nigeria has like a state-sponsored CBDC that got rolled out. Right. And they, like the, the, the people pretty much rejected it and bitcoin development is exploding there um bitcoin usage is exploding there i mean i I, like i really hope that bitcoin can be a way for the global south to kind of get back into the game and play the game on a fair playing field in a way that just like the dollar simply will not allow them to do or their local I, th- I think it's inevitable. Think We're so, so freaking lucky. Like Bitcoin's just here. The answer is freaking here. Certainly, on a long enough time scale, I think they will. Um, I mean, just yeah. as as the dollar debases more and more. I mean, that's why you see the BRICS countries talk about making their own currencies because they're they've. What are the BRICS countries? So, BRICS it's Brazil, Russia. India, China, and South Africa. Oh, so, so that's, that's the new that's like, the acronym. axis of evil. 
from like uh, well if you want to look at it that way i mean it used to be what, what was it, what were the bad guys it used to be like iran north korea it was the other well, one so i mean like some Germany. of those countries are like have like <laughs> applied to join the BRICS block okay um so like saudi arabia iran uh there's one other fairly big one that like applied to be part of this but they're actively looking at making their own currency that they would trade in amongst themselves mm-hmm. and allegedly it's going to be gold backed um oh, yeah. i think the problem with that though is that it's going <laughs> to end up like if if they adopt that then all those domestic currencies are just going to absolutely plummet um in comparison to that bricks euro or whatever they end up calling it yeah um, because obviously if, if that's backed by something, it's going to have more tangible value than the local fiat currency. But the U S shutting Russia out from just like seizing their reserves, that really kind of opened a lot of eyes to a lot of these other players like India in particular is just like, I, what, like, why would I continue participating in this system if i can get shut down mm-hmm. on a whim like uh, this is about six weeks ago probably, probably a couple months ago that the u.s was talking about sanctioning it was some african country i don't remember what it, it might have been zimbabwe i don't think it was zimbabwe it was some african country i really wish i could remember which one it was but they were talking about sanctioning them based on their like lgbt policies which i mean like regardless of what you think of that, the the U.S. imposing their will on somebody based on a social agenda, that, like those are two things that I don't see a whole lot of overlap on, and I, it, it's it's just it's a further abuse of power of the uh, of America as the world reserve currency. So, unfortunately, mm. we keep shooting ourselves in the foot in that kind of stuff. So. I think more and more these uh, these third world, second world countries are going to keep waking up to Bitcoin as a way to opt out of that. And they're going to have to keep trading in dollars because the rest of the world does. But the fact that there's an alternative that exists mm-hmm. like is, is going to make waves as the years progress. It's amazing how much better a gold-backed currency um, through multiple nations is than the current whatever us dollar or any country's fiat currency and it's also amazing how much better bitcoin is than a gold back agreed upon currency between countries it's like an order of magnitude better to to say you're gold backed and it's order, order of magnitude better than that to be bitcoin because of the verifiability thing right like you're still having to yeah. trust like it's still a any yeah. gold-backed currency is still going to be a centralizing force. Right. Because you're still having to trust the BRICS nations to uh, verify that gold, parse yeah. it out equally like they're saying they're going to. And, I mean, I don't trust the track record of a China or a Russia, to be honest, or something yeah. with that. I mean, I don't have an electron microscope. I mean, so all of this gold is going to get melted down and every atom of it is going to go through an electron microscope. I mean, did. Remember all that tungsten that was just found yeah. in, like, the Chinese gold bars? I mean, it's just, like, like really? They found it in like, Fort Knox, yeah. You're going to verify every single atom of gold, and you're just going to re- 
trust the scientist's report on that electron microscope? Like, what? Side note, how Wait. crazy is it that tungsten is exactly the same as density awesome. as gold? It is wild. Like, from That's a weight standpoint. Wild. It, so, one of the things circling tungsten. back to SAFE is that he, like, so in the Bitcoin standard there at the end, he talks about, you know, here are some things that could actually be like a threat to Bitcoin. And like the biggest one that he mentions is a return to a global gold standard and just a return to like responsibility and money being based in something. Right. Is that, you know, a return to sound money principles on just a more archaic one could stagnate the uh the the progression of bitcoin but i I think even that even that i think is going to be like a short term Mm -hmm. like roadblock to bitcoin because like if people are thinking in terms of why is gold better than fiat then they're going to be thinking on sound money money principles and then they compare gold to bitcoin and it's just to me the gold bitcoin comparison is is clear as day that one is better than the other yeah yeah e- even though safening sorry that cut you off uh, even though safening does make that point about the biggest threat to bitcoin is um the u.s returning to a gold standard or some international gold standard another point of safening's is the time and space argument where um gold is the best money in time and but fiat is the best sorry gold's best money in space i'm not sure if i got that backwards but like it's time it's time yeah because you can move dollars in space exactly right but fiat's the best money in space because you can like send it so fast and bitcoin's the best of both worlds so even though he does kind of allude to the idea that returning to a gold standard might be a threat to bitcoin it's still not, I mean, he's still set, he, it's still the case that Bitcoin dominates time and space better than both gold and fiat. And if people are willing to get over that hurdle of just seeing gold as a store of value in time, then they're going to start asking themselves the questions about the space. Yeah. Because you're still basically going to be using fiat rails. You're still going to be using dollar rails to transport that currency. The dollar is still the way that global commerce is is conducted right now. Yeah. It's going to be for the foreseeable future. So if you're going to have to do any kind of trade of substance, it's still going to, you would still have to transfer that hypothetical BRICS currency into dollars in order to conduct any commerce of significance on a global scale. Right. So even if they did that, A, I don't trust them at all. I don't think anybody... Anybody in like any G G twenty countries are not going to trust that. And in fact, I'm sure they'll sanction the shit out of it. But I don't think that in in some ways I think it can actually accelerate hyper Bitcoinization because it gets people thinking along the right terms. And if they're thinking on those terms, the only logical conclusion is a Bitcoin standard, not a return to the gold standard. Yeah. I mean, it has to, just given the reality of how fast people expect information to travel, even if it is a gold standard, it has to be an electronic database at some point. So, I mean, even if you are saying that you really trust the electronic database that quantifies how much gold you have in the warehouse, you're still dealing with an electronic database. 
Well, and it's not going to be a your... bare asset. Like you're not right. going to be able to redeem that BRICS currency for physical gold coins. Right. You're not going to be able to do that. You can Whereas, only redeem the electronic exactly transfer. Right. Exactly. You're still and dealing like, in IOUs. Bitcoin's the only thing that has that sound redeemability. That's also electronic on the base layer. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so, just a matter so of time. It's, it's just, it, it, it's just like, are you willing to have load time preference and wait it out? I mean, yeah. that's the name of the game in the entire Bitcoin uh, game. We're just waiting for enough people to catch on. Not enough builders to build. And enough, right. <clears throat> the tools and the, yeah, tech and usability and all those things to bring it into the people's hands and there are more yeah. and more of those layer two protocols being built every day i yep. mean like we've got lightning splicing we've got arc now <coughs> um there are all kinds of ways that just just on a day after day basis that the rails are being built towards bits towards bitcoin that are just going to make it all the easier i i still think the internet is the best example of adoption like you started with dial up nobody had internet in their house mm-hmm. and just slowly slowly made it to where we ha- everyone has high speed internet like e- even on your phone You're right like it's just right. now it's like my grandmother like you yeah. know crushes like the cloud you do, know do you <laughs> think it's do you think it's interesting um how that adoption of the internet through just people building is this blurry mixed bag of companies investing in startup projects and also people like the Linux open source community who are just, they get home from work and um, they're like me, five o'clock rolls around and it's just like, shit, I'm either going to start drinking or I'm going to start making something. And the Linux open source people just start working on code like in their free time from, 5 p.m. to uh, till they go to bed and it's uh so it's like it's like this mix of companies doing it for money and also just people building i won't say for fun but just because they enjoy the process of building i think a lot of open source software as i've been exposed to it so much more in bitcoin is built yeah it's built by people in their free time but a lot of it is sponsored by companies and it's like byproduct of their products. It's like, but but let's say so. Linux is the backbone of the internet. Like, would you say Linux is like that too? I don't know as much the origins of Linux, but kind of like, yeah. You have like the Red Hats who yeah. build on it, but they have a business on it, so they're incentivized to build on it. You know, there's a, a certain aspect of just general adoption of something that yields business models. So you're actually kind of incentivized to do open source stuff. And a lot of things are like the the monetization layer of the internet really is like distribution. Like it's hard to make money on just software. You need an audience, you need customers, you need distribution. Mm -hmm. So the software layer is like not a lot of things are like, super proprietary you know like genuine crazy tech well open source is easily the best way to get the most eyes on your code 
like now as we're getting further and further away from career oriented individuals and it's just becoming more of a gig economy there are plenty of people who have the time to look at stuff that they're passionate about and most people are way more passionate about these open source protocols than they are about you know what they do from nine to five knowing that it's just not something that they're building for themselves they're building for somebody else or some company and that nine to five are they just mining fiat (laughs) i mean they don't know that but, yeah, I mean, to some degree, I think so. I mean, I'm very bullish on open source. I yeah. think the open source alternatives, because, I mean, the trade-off has always been convenience versus, mm-hmm. you know, something being open source and verifiable by yourself mm-hmm. rather than it being behind a closed veil. I mean, I'd say, I mean, not the majority. No, I, no, actually, I would say the majority of the apps that I use are open source or at least... Um, uh, source code verifiable um, and I mean I don't think that my quality of life has changed all that much I mean a change mm-hmm. of your email from Gmail to Proton now <clears> they've <throat> got decent enough uh, they, they got a good enough user interface that I don't feel like my life is significantly hindered by using that that's a privacy based service as well so they're not reading my emails and keeping it in plain text somewhere either. So, yeah. I mean, as, as, as you see, I mean, the, the, the biggest incentive for using privacy-based tools is, is just the avoidance of fraud. It's not that, oh, I want to avoid being listened to by Big Brother, even though that's certainly part of it. That's why I give a shit about it. But it's, it's how can you avoid getting scammed in a, in a very tangible way I think transferring a lot of your uh, technological life to these other uh, uh, other uh, programs, other apps, is the easiest way to do it. Just maybe think about using Brave Browser or using Tor instead of Chrome. Yeah. Uh, anything else on that? I, kind of a related topic is <clears throat> the other clips I had from Jameson talking sort of about ossification in uh, a recent podcast. Did you guys read my, my rants about this this morning? I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what? Well, Tim, I, Tim, I'm not sure if me and Tim are going to totally agree on my points here. Uh, Can't wait. But... Yeah, we got Go for it. how much time we got. Yeah, we got plenty of time. We're going through this kind of fast. All right, so Jameson's a guy I really respect. Jameson, a uh, member of the Raleigh Bitcoin Meetup, founder of the Raleigh Bitcoin Meetup, perhaps. Uh, guy I've always respected. I've been outspoken a little bit recently about how we shouldn't um, have the goal of ossification or more like we should be open to the idea of Bitcoin changing if it needs to change. And I've got a couple clips from him and there's certain points of this presentation where I agree with, but I think he's being slightly disingenuous about the point that he's making in the presentation 
via the promotion of the current changes that are kind of around. So in summary, I agree with him that it should be the case that we should be open to changing the consensus mechanisms if there's like an obvious need to change. But he doesn't, he seems to be sly about, okay, so are you saying that there is a obvious need to change here? Or are you just making the point that we should be open if there is a need to change? Well, you've mentioned this before. I mean, Jameson is is acting under the assumption that Bitcoin has to change in order to avoid that. Um, what What is the one in like 50 years? I'm going to do a whole fucking episode on that, man. Okay. Like if this really is the case, if all of your thoughts about changing bitcoin are about this timestamp thing in 2106 that's a problem because that 2106 bug is not a big problem so like take that out of your mind and like still tell me whether you think bitcoin needs to change don't let that thing be like oh i know we have to change Therefore, let me pack all other these other things yeah. into that change. Tail wagging the dog. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. No, I mean it's like, hey, we know that there's this hypothetical problem in the year 2106. Right. So therefore, we need to change something now in order to avoid a problem down the road. What I worry about about that is that in trying to fix a hypothetical problem down the road, that we're going to open ourselves up to more problems. But yeah. let's 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 run the clip and. Okay, so it, there's two clips. The first one is where he kind of like lays the groundwork for why we should be open to change. Which is really what I'm trying to get at. Is that, is that playing? It's slow. Maybe it's the YouTube volume. Um, oh, no, it's the, no, it's the YouTube volume. It's that, you know, this, especially from a security perspective, this is a dynamic environment. If you cannot change your protocol, sure, it becomes harder for some attacker to come in and break it. Well, the flip side of that is it becomes harder for the protocol itself to adapt and be modified in response to changes in the world, to changes in the environment and how the protocol is being used. Okay, so his point there is that and he kind of, he kind of, I, I don't know if he's really being genuine about this, but he, he says like, okay, there's some risks, there's some benefits of ossifications, but the risks are that you can't adapt to a change in the environment, a change in the world, or a change in how the protocol is being used, which I agree with. But that's kind of like a straw man because like, that's not the question. I think, okay, maybe there's some people that think that Bitcoin should never change no matter what happens. The question is, is there something right now, right? Like, okay, you're saying the hypothetical, the general Bitcoin should be open to change in certain certain circumstances. But then the second half of this presentation, he lays out these changes like CTV or covenants and side chains and stuff like that but he doesn't he like chickens out like he doesn't he he says uh it's not clear that he's making the point that the 
the current environment, the current world has changed to the point where this is necessary. So if you go to the, you know, that you'd have to watch this whole presentation. This is Jameson YouTube. Um, but here's where he's talking about covenants. And remember, before he was talking about the need to change as if the world had changed, the environment had changed, how people use the protocol had changed. Watch how he shifts his argument into uh, the designers want to build things. Like, this is basically the point he makes for why we should do covenants. That, that's still really quiet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to go back to there. Okay. I mean, and again, he's presupposing a problem. Like, that's a lot of what the central controllers of the dollar do now is they're trying to... They're A, presupposing a problem. They're trying to avoid a problem in the, pro- in, in the future and are therefore creating a problem now. Um, yeah. Right. I just don't understand that mentality. Yeah, l- l- let me just play this clip and then we'll j- I'll just kind of open it up and maybe you guys convince me of some things that I haven't thought about. But here's when he's giving the promotion of covenants. In order for the, the security model of this coin flow to actually... Uh, be usable and be something that you can rely upon. Long story short, nobody does this. You know why? It's it's a pain. Uh, it's just it's not developer friendly. It's not user friendly. It's um, it's it's functionality that could certainly be highly valuable for certain situations, but it's just too high of a cost to be able to implement. What? Where in that does he say the? the the world has the environment has changed like the world has changed the way that people use the protocol has changed all he's saying is that like it would be a lot better for the developers if we made this change because it's just too hard to do it did you say the world had changed did you say the environment had changed did you say the way they use the protocol had changed like no you're just you're talking about some kind of new feature that might be cool and some people might use it for certain situations and it'd be easier for the developers to create that. It's just, it just, so to steel man, his argument, I think like if you watch the whole presentation, his argument where, which I kind of agree with is that there's a chance that some of these cool things if they're not enabled on the base layer protocol, they could be enabled on a second layer. And those new cool changes on the second layer might be so awesome that the second layer becomes centralized and then the first layer doesn't um, become relevant anymore. And he gives the example of how Gmail did this with email. Gmail made email so much better that they kind of like took over. Um, but it's just, it, it's not, it's not a coherent argument completely. Like, I agree with that, but we don't know if we're in that situation yet. Well, we- he, he sees email very much as like a cautionary tale. Like, he's written about that a lot. Yeah, um, but his points are terrible about how, well, well what he's saying in his points are email is basically about spam, right? Right. It's just like SMTP didn't include spam prevention and Gmail did. And it's like, Bitcoin has spam prevention. 
like the whole proof of work, the whole um, thing that Adam Back invented to fix email, Bitcoin has that built in. It's almost like, yeah, Bitcoin is email with the spam prevention built in at the protocol. You can't just say that like, just because there is one example where this protocol refused to implement that like Bitcoin should just now implement every change. And again, it gets back to him just being like, oh, we should be open in theory if there is a huge need, an obvious need, and like one company has made this change and is dominating on layer two and it's becoming centralized. Yeah, Jameson, everybody agrees that. Are you saying that's the case now? Like, a lot of these like counterpoints are all dealing with the medium of exchange use case. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I feel like... What do you like, mean by that? Meaning that... Oh, just like Bitcoin is payments? <laughs> exactly. Bitcoin is not payments, guys. Um, well, and just... The dollar's not payments. Visa is payments. Right. Right. No, exactly. And they're talking about you know, how Bitcoin only has like a limited amount of throughput or whatever. And, you know, Bitcoin has failed if you can't buy coffee with it. First, I think we need to really nail, nail down the store of value yeah. uh, use case of it. I mean, I this goes back to the Bitcoin cash thing. Like I thought we had as a put community that put that to bed. Like Bitcoin is not about as many transactions per second. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's where he's going with it, but well, I mean, a lot of these also presuppose that Bitcoin doesn't have a use case if there's not a medium of exchange component to it, and I don't feel like that's true because uh, let's okay, Apple for example, that's a three trillion dollar uh, market cap. Does Apple stock have a medium of exchange component to it? No, it doesn't. Gold. Uh, has a 12, uh, it's approaching a $12 trillion market cap. Does that have a medium of exchange component to it? No. Right. So to act and like... countries want to go back to the gold standard. So to act like medium of exchange. Bitcoin is useless without that, we're talking about $500,000, $600,000 a coin yeah. just, to, just to match gold. You don't have to have medium of exchange capabilities for this thing to be worth significant value. Now, I mean, in order for it to be a global reserve currency, yeah, I guess you do. Mm-hmm. But I think in order for it to become a global reserve currency, it first has to become a global reserve asset. And if you don't have, if you sacrifice the store of value proposition to Bitcoin in order for the medium of, exchange, uh, medium of exchange value proposition, mm-hmm. then that's not a great trade-off in my opinion. What do, you, what do you think, Tim? I think <clears throat> that things should move extremely slow. There should be no changes, hmm. very little changes. Like they should have a super long time to be pushed through. I'm yeah. just worried about there being like you know if it's not broke, don't fix it type mentality. Mm-hmm. Like there's just there's no rush. Yeah, in their yeah. mind, what's the rush? Like, I, yeah, there's all these new use cases and stuff that come with CTV, but I don't really think they're <clears throat> relevant right now. I mean, there's just because, so much yeah, we'll, other we'll stuff. see. 
Yeah, I mean, if some if some layer two company like becomes dominant because of their C, CTV implementation on layer two, and like no one can use anything else except for this company, then like yeah, then maybe we'll think about putting CTV on layer one. But like we're not. I don't think anybody's even going to use CTV when it comes out. Right. I, I just. It's just like I feel like the same thing had like with Taproot and Ordinals. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, let's get Taproot. And then, oh, Ordinals. It's like, maybe that was an unexpected byproduct. I don't know. No, I mean, I think be. it was definitely unforeseen. I mean, nobody was talking about Ordinals as a possibility when Taproot was coming through. I think one thing that they're, like, people that think along those lines are actively concerned about is brain drain from the Bitcoin space. They see that as like a big attack vector where uh, builders are not able to do what they want to be able to do on Bitcoin because of the limitations. Like lack of brain associated drain. with it. Um, well, it's just like I don't think they understand. Like you want your base money to be boring. Yeah. You don't want your base money to have all these doodads associated with it. You want it to just function as money. Yeah. That's what I mean by lack of brain drain. Like, if, if you don't get that money, has to be boring. Then, like, you don't have much of a brain. Yeah, you don't. So, the people that don't get that, yeah, sure, they can go off and do other shit because that's not a big brain drain. Like to me, it's, it's an not, idiot drain. It's not broken. I mean, taproot's in cool, but the other stuff like doesn't seem relevant to me. Just think of like guy like Rob with this miniscript stuff. Like, Shout out Rob, member of the uh, Bitcoin Meetup. Yeah, like that's been there, you know, and it's been Peter. The tools Moore. exist. Yeah, yeah, like there's like tons of things still to be built. It's not like we've maxed out what you can build. Right. Yeah. So like, what, I mean, Ordinals is a great example. Like we didn't know that that existed. What other ways to maximize Taproot exist that have not fully been fleshed out yet? There's tons. With taproot assets and whatnot. Right. Like, and that was one like, of why the... why can't we just sit on our hands and yeah. fucking wait for a little bit? It, it's, it is because people want to push these things through, like CTV, and then build a business on it. Right. Absolutely. Which and is why Jameson has given the, that presentation, because Casa obviously has this covenant product that he's already been working on. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's like... All right, Taproot seemed a little less. Everyone that's talked about CTV pushing it through that I've talked to has had some like product they've been wanting to build or do. There's been a direct incentive for them to do it. They want it pushed out so that they can push their product out and go forward. And it's like, okay, that's cool, but yeah, I don't. Do you which, think some which of which is? The, oh, sorry. No, no. I was like going to say in ten years, okay. which is a huge change to the mentality of developers. Like people will talk about the history of some of the more influential Bitcoin core developers. Like none of the big influential developers of the past worked for some company that wanted some change on Bitcoin. As soon as you work for some company that wants some change on Bitcoin, people see your presentations totally differently for good reason yeah well i mean they would say that ctv isn't a company they would say that drive chains are a company but that they're just getting stonewalled because of laser eyes who are just this straw man reason to not 
do anything with it. It's just things are being done with Bitcoin. I mean, just like not 10 minutes ago, we listed a, we listed splicing, we listed ARC. I mean, I think it's been interesting to see this year. I feel like Lightning in particular has really kind of come under attack for reasons that I can't quite understand, where they're just talking about Lightning being insufficient. I mean, Tim's a yeah, Lightning guy. Like, what? How have your thoughts on Lightning evolved in the past year? I still think Lightning is fine i think people are just impatient yeah impatient is a good word yeah impatient and wanting to like niche out use cases that don't work as well and then build their own solution around it and stuff i mean there's the obvious big issue which is like the custody issue right so that's like a big one where they e-cash and like the Feddy stuff and the ARC stuff, like the liquidity. like These are things that are like maybe don't scale as well with Lightning, but it works and it's going to keep working. Well, well they, they scale with just more of a need for centralization than like holding your private keys yeah, on layer it, one. Right. It's like a, the future of Lightning might be as of now more towards the custodial side and i think that's fine and and it might be that even lightning is not meant for the end user lightning is meant for like small like it's not meant to be a settlement layer uh i think it is meant to be a settlement layer it's not meant to be like like maybe it's not meant to be the like phone in your your like pocket change Oh, interesting. Like, I think over time, the the tools to do that aren't built yet, but they're being built. But Lightning functions good to, like... So Lightning is like a layer 1.5? Yeah, that's how I kind of see it. Like, like, like Lightning, like, like, this... The wallets that are custodial wallets, like, the shit works great. Mm-hmm. But it's custodial wallets. And it's very fast. Like, they, they love pointing towards <clears throat> the proliferation of Wallet of Satoshi. Mm-hmm. And it's just ease of use. And, right. I mean, like, how long is it going to take? I mean, Phoenix, for example, just rolled out a whole new uh, product set with their uh, Lightning wallets. And those are all going to be self-custodial. Mm-hmm. So, Wallets of Satoshi is the standard now because it's two taps on your phone. But it's not like these other Lightning wallets don't know that and see that and know that that's the goal to be building towards. Just I, I, I feel like the gap is going to be closed eventually. I think this that <clears throat> it, it really comes down to the custody issue. Yeah. I mean, that Agreed. is the core of it, and that is what's hard. Like, you need just the way that Lightning is... is technically implemented like you need a hot device that can sign that's not that possible with your phone right now so it's going to be trending towards custodial for a while until that tech gets built yeah like some of the things and there might be some soft forks required in bitcoin for that to get all the way there 
and those things might come eventually maybe they won't but i think lightning is it's great for like business to business type shit and like things that are always on can lightning handle 8 billion users uh like right now no but i don't it's not a lot's gonna have to happen before it can get to that is it gonna be more like wires than venmo i i think the future of lightning enables still like the bank type architecture okay so like another one of those core issues that it comes down to like custody is i think uptime my super private bitcoin node whenever i go back there every two weeks or whatever the super secret location that tim's actually been to but um i guess it's not that secret but you know i go back there and like something fucked up and i'm like oh shit i gotta resync my node but it's not a problem and it's like oh okay well i'll just take two hours and my node will resync and catch up back to the network and then i'll send a transaction and that's fine and that that peace of mind of knowing that if your uptime goes down because i mean we're we're in the first world here where we don't worry about internet issues and power issues, but like most of the world does. And that, that has to be a core component. Like custody and sovereignty goes right alongside in my mind with not having to have a hundred percent uptime. If you have to have a hundred percent uptime, I'm not going to trust my custody and my sovereignty to that thing well isn't that part of the problem with lightning is that lightning nodes are pretty finicky and in order to have custody of it your lightning node has to be working because i'm pretty sure that's a lot of what phoenix and breeze in particular have been trying to make a lot easier is management of lightning nodes within a mobile wallet itself right and so you made me just think of that like remember the bitcoin cash thing where it was like um well let's do 10 megabyte blocks you know if you can't pay for the resources for that then you can't uh run a node and that'll cut down on the decentralization a little bit but it's fine it's the same thing with lightning it's like in order to run a lightning node that really is up all the time you either have to have a badass internet service provider or you have to run a hosted node at a data center somewhere which means that you've got to pay for that hosted node you got to pay like 60 bucks a month and the privacy thing all of a sudden like it you know yeah maybe you can get like a um a vpn and some hosted server in some other country and you can pay in bitcoin and maybe you can keep that private but it's a lot harder so it's a lot harder to be private and it's a lot more expensive. It just requires a lot more resources and possibly identity giving up in order to be 100% uptime. Well, That's- and to have self-custody. I mean, like, I think we've got to get out of this mindset of everything being free to some extent, too. Like, I'm willing to pay a fee to know that I am custodying this stuff. Like, you're paying for that service for the privilege of custodying. 
like if you're looking at it through yeah a, but a, it should be as cheap as possible for sure and i think eventually yeah. i mean because the marginal cost of production will eventually drive that down but right now if you're looking yeah. at it through like the bank channel for example i'd soon i'd i would be more trustworthy of a bank that charges me fees for what they're doing because they're providing a service if they're making money that way, I think they're much less likely to go out and rehypothecate that money in ridiculous ways in order to make their money that way rather than making it through fee revenue. Yeah. I guess your point is definitely you should pay for something if someone's going to custody it for you. If it's a slick service, you should be willing to pay for it. If it's going to provide you privacy, you should be willing to pay for it. Right. But that that's kind of a different argument to the idea. So Roger Ver could have made that point like, hey, if you want to run a node, you need to be able to pay $1,000 per month and have a 10 terabyte machine because it's worth it. And it's just like, okay, but like it's better if, I mean, it's going to be more centralized the more you make people pay for it. Like the, the higher the requirements are. And I think on layer two, it is that. It's just like, yeah, on layer two, the resources required to have a full-time uptime node are more, and therefore it's going to be more centralized, which is fine. Um, well, there's like... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. The <clears throat> trending architecture for Lightning for the end user, the consumer, is like the lightning nodes in the cloud uh, but the keys are on your phone just mm-hmm. the keys and so when a payment comes through you know the the cloud checks your phone asks to sign and, send, and sends it back is the cloud in this case a a custody like is this your private server in the cloud or is this some company this is a company okay. right like a breeze or a block stream yeah and but they don't have act they, they the, the signing device for your coins right. your sats are on your phone so right. they can't do anything yeah. right it is self-custody yeah and so when you send something you basically like sign the package and you yeah. send it up to the block stream and then they send the actual money yeah uh, so you don't have like to that. have it on on your phone all right. the time. That's and that's like the trending. Like they manage your liquidity and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is like a different issue. Like you couldn't just you know get one of those and like receive or send like ten grand. You know, there's issues there, mm-hmm. but that's the trending architecture of how that's going to play out. Right. right now and that's that's cool and that's, that's cool. gonna take time and it's gonna slowly yeah. get there uh and you also kind of give up any say over whether you agree with any changes in the lightning protocol by just handing that over to the company yeah you know it's like hands off like you right. just ask for a node and you yeah. the, literally the process is you create a private key sign some shit send it to them and then they create a node and everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. I mean, it, it, it's all in the... The layers upon Bitcoin will be more centralized. And, like, that's fine. Yeah, I don't I don't think... To me, I don't think the FUD against Lightning is that big a deal. Because the biggest... 
it's already one giant iteration better because it's sound money. So like if yeah. it's banks with sound money, to me that's a great step than like banks with unsound money. Well, it's building so, from a decentralized base yeah, where so like, like all these other shit coins think better. that they can get decentralized after the fact, and that's not that that's not how that works. You can't decentralize in arrears if you're not building from a decentralized base then yeah. you're you're screwed from the word go well what about the roadmap to become more decentralized written by a central person it, exactly like that's Wait, that's the problem with like <laughs> and like yeah. all these other ones but i mean and, and every time they change that roadmap it's it's virtually a fork <laughs> It was just like a joke back in the day when shit coins were just like, oh, we're going to become more decentralized. And it's just like, who wrote that roadmap? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, over time, it's like the, if it's like you're starting with decentralized base, okay, it's a little layer two is a little more centralized right now. Like, okay, it's going to keep building and get like the decentralization is just going up the stack slowly. Yeah. And so like to me, right. the arguments of like, uh, lightning's too custodial or centralized or whatever is like that's just like a short-sighted like right now yes that's the case but even looking back like a mm-hmm. year or two ago in lightning it was it's gotten better well like, the trend lines to me people need to build and it just takes time i mean certainly in terms of development it's trending towards decentralization right so it's that's not like we're matters. heading further down these centralized paths yeah, like macro big picture it's going in the right direction right so like to me yeah. that's all that matters it's still a giant level up yeah i just had a wild thought and how division of labor leads to centralization because like if you know you're the best at doing something then you do that other people don't do that then you become kind of the only person that does that so division of labor naturally leads to like one person providing a service or a couple people providing a service. But even though that's a great thing for the world, there has to be some base level of living where you do everything yourself. Like for example, you wouldn't want to centralize somebody wiping your ass. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be like, oh, I'm not the best at wiping my ass. Let me hire a company to wipe my ass. Like there's there's like these these like grassroots, very human things that are terrible to centralize. Like, what if you centralized somebody pouring you a cup of water to the point where you couldn't drink water unless there was a company around? Unless your fridge phoned home. Yeah, exactly. Like you'd be putting yourself in a lot of danger if you let division of labor centralize to the point where, you know, you didn't know how to put something in the fucking microwave and eat it. She's like, oh, that company's down. Oh, Amazon's offline. China's offline. Like I can't make a fucking hot pocket. That term is at the edge. Like, like the centralized is like, in the cloud but then like you have at the edge like you wipe your ass at the exactly edge. like at the <laughs> edge yeah it's like the like the base things about being a fucking human can't be centralized or else everyone's just gonna live in all this anxiety about the company that does that thing going down yeah get water at the edge <laughs> get water at the edge dude you wipe your the ass. edge is like frayed you know it's like a quilt it's got like frayed edges at the end 
Yeah. But I mean, the bottom line is that Bitcoin <clears throat> works now. It empirically, like if you look at the data, it is a store of value. Like mm-hmm. anybody that tries to refute that, it's like, okay, well then how do you explain the price chart? Like you, you, you can't look at that and say that it has not stored value factually into the future over its lifespan. Right. I'm not saying that there's not volatility between A and B, but if you just chart A to B, yeah. where it started, where it is, I mean, it's storing value. Yeah. And I mean, that might not be enough for some developers who think that they need to fix a problem before it gets here, but it's it's doing what it's supposed to do right now. And the more we get into it, the the older Bitcoin gets, the more we're going to have all these other use cases. So I, I, it's not something that I worry about personally at all. It's amazing when you plot like, the S&P 500 versus Bitcoin over the past 14 years. And it's like S&P 500 is basically a flat line and Bitcoin's just this exponential rocket ship going over the S&P 500. But like the, the beer rep that I was talking about earlier, he was like, oh, so it's like the stock market where it goes up and down, but it generally goes up. And it's like, yeah. Not wrong. But by Not, comparison, but like <laughs> it's a joke to think that the stock market is going up compared to how Bitcoin's going up. Like it's, there are a lot of good charts on Twitter where like you, you have Bitcoin as the flat line and then you chart everything against it, whether oh, yeah. it be it's gold, S&P, real estate, real estate any of it. And it's just plummeting, just yeah. dropping to zero quickly. So, yeah. water balloons, um, steak on your salad, steak on your salad, devices where you can fill up a hundred water balloons um, in sixty seconds. Anything that's human battleship drive. game, anything like that. Crazy. All right, we're at an hour and uh, fourteen here, so y'all, y'all want to start wrapping up? Yeah, we can wrap it up. Um, Listen to btcradio.live where you can catch us and all the proprietary algorithms picks for the best podcasts out there right now. One other cool thing about BTC Radio <clears throat> is that the podcast that's playing, if you're listening on like a fountain app, it streams the sats to the podcast that's playing. Wait, what? That's very cool. Yeah. So oh, if you're listening on fountain. Yeah, if you're listening on fountain oh. and you're streaming... It will stream to the author of the podcast that you're listening to. Very cool. All right. I got to get to so Not just like repurposing routine. their content without. That's very cool. Like that's the whole point is like, you know, just get more listeners and more. Just, just test out that model. See what, see what it's like. Sounds cool. Fountain. Yeah. It's just, like passive growth for them. Fountain just kind of released the ability to do live stuff. And those guys over there, like Adam Curry and the podcasting 2.0 squad is building out like live and music capabilities into the podcast spec. So it's like in the RSS feeds now, like yeah, uh, live stuff um, and like more advanced features. Like in a podcast, you can have like when you play a quote, uh-huh. like safety and shit, we played yeah. a clip. Yeah. yeah a clip. Uh, like the, the stats that would be, were being streamed would go to that clip. Oh, wow. 
mid podcast and then switch back. Wow. So it's getting like way more advanced and detailed and the value for value stuff is so cool. Wow. That's it is cool. Super interesting. Yeah. It's just cool. It's all like still playing out, you know, how much people spend and all that stuff. If it's like actually going to work the way everybody thinks it's going to work, like do people want to pay to listen, like all that stuff. But it's a very exciting and cool space to, to be in and kind of it's so play cool around. just listening to Adam Curry on his uh, podcasting well the podcast about podcasting it feels he goes so hard he goes so hard and it's just like wow this is the frontier like it's yeah it's on the cutting edge there's no questions like sometimes you wonder if you're on the frontier of a technology man if you listen to that podcast it's just like this is absolutely the frontier of podcasting yeah it, it is bleeding edge for sure yeah it's cool well thanks for putting us on it man Appreciate show that. but yeah uh show up on tuesday Tuesday night. got a great meetup come chat bitcoin be as toxic as bitcoins here come as, as toxic. toxic as possible right um and we'll catch y'all next time all right thanks for listening peace